because a Republican incumbent didn't get 40% of the vote of the primary. He's not going to get the 40% if he is not willing to change and do something that acknowledges the 40%. And why should the 40% have to cave to him? So Nikki Haley uh, loses huge, hugely, bigly, uh, lost by a massive margin when she got 20 points less than President Trump running for uh, re-election, although with a break, <laughs> obviously. Uh, so 60 points for Trump, 40 points for Haley. Should she drop out? Well, her argument is, look, we got a lot of other states coming right away. We got Michigan coming tomorrow. We got Super Tuesday coming in a week or so. And, uh, you know, why Why quit just yet, even though the Koch brothers now pulled out, I guess? So, look, her claim, which, you know, is analysis I have made for a long time, too, is that President Trump, doesn't win in a general because the sentiment against him is so high. Oh, he can win the Republican primary. Although, I'll be frank, I thought that maybe there would be enough anti-Trump votes or, you know, other preference votes. They're not the same. Uh, some people would really prefer to vote against Trump. Lots of Republicans would prefer to vote against Trump for anybody other than Trump. There are other Republicans for whom it really depends on who the candidate you know, alternative is, right? Um, they would prefer to have DeSantis over Trump. They might not prefer to have Haley over Trump or vice versa, right? So it's candidate-specific. So there's the anti-Trump vote within the Republican Party. Then there's the uh, we prefer other vote within the Republican Party. Um, the question is, which of those are supporting the 40%? That is not nothing. I mean, she's right. 40% is significant. But 40% of the Republicans is not enough to win the general unless the Democrats also support you, which they will. There are a lot of Democrats who do not want Joe Biden and would be glad to see somebody other than Biden. They certainly aren't going to vote for Trump, most of them, although some of them will. Because if you're forced with the choice between the awful and the awfuler, you have to decide which one is the awful and which one is the awfuler, right? And Republicans are making that choice and Democrats are making that choice. But yeah, I mean, it's a total blowout. Expected in her home state in South Carolina. That's not a good look. <laughs> it's never good when you go into your home state and get beat by 20 points. So what does this mean for going forward? Well, it means that there's not much chance that she does anything other than something that has been rumbled and rumored a little bit is, well, what if she runs a third party campaign? You know, doesn't get the Republican election, but runs as an independent. I don't know what those numbers would be. That is a massively difficult thing to do. You had early rumblings that, you know, Joe Manchin, the Democrat who thwarted a lot of the Democrat initiatives in the Senate by being uh, one, uh, the only or one of two no votes on a lot of things to get them to 60 votes to, or, sorry, to get them to, you know, take over what the Republicans wanted to thwart. Okay. Uh, it, he was rumored to be an independent candidate. I don't know if there's any real viability there. The la what, what historically has happened with third-party candidates is they're spoilers, right? They're not going to win, but they might prevent your person, depending on which side they kind of align with more naturally. You know, the argument is that Bill Clinton got elected because of a third-party candidate or that, you know, there are other, I mean, like the Reform Party candidate, Green Party candidate, this has always kind of been the question is what role do they have in the election? And again, 
you can make the case that what they do primarily is suck off just enough votes <laughs> to prevent the person that they're more closely aligned with from actually winning in the general election. So Trump is obviously claiming big victory. Uh, Nikki Haley is saying, well, yeah, he won, but that doesn't matter. We're going to stay in it. And, um, you know, Trump is vowing to go forward and destroy on Judgment Day. We're going to bring our country back. For hardworking Americans, November 5th will be our new Liberation Day. But for the liars and cheaters and fraudsters and censors and imposters who have commandeered our government, it will be their Judgment Day. Their Judgment Day. So there you have it. <laughs> 515 here on News Radio 92.3. Informative, local, dependable. Governor DeSantis comes to Pensacola on Friday and talks about sending Florida Highway Patrol and uh, also state guard members over to the border, about 100 of them or so. Well, good morning. We have um, another round of personnel heading to the southern border today. Why? Because to police support help law enforcement do what the federal government will not do and prevent the kinds of horrible things that could happen if nobody does this properly. I I do think there's going to be a terrorist attack in this country that people are going to be able to link to the southern border, unfortunately. I wish I I didn't believe that. Yeah, and of course, you know, here in the, I think, I assume the Blue Angels are practicing overhead while he was doing this. This is Channel 3. I had the um, uh, excerpts from the press conference. But yeah, the concern about you know, at some point, what would be the big effect of having an essentially porous border, not just terrorism, but one of the jarring things. And I think some of our folks who've been down there, have known, sometimes you get these big swarms of people and they're military age males. Uh, OK, a military age male coming over from like the Middle East. Is that really something that we want to be green lighting in this country? Exactly. I mean, they're not all kids and parents seeking, you know, refugee status, even if that's what they claim. And other nations, even people coming here. Why would you come from all across the world through the southern border of this country? I think the chances are that there's some bad intentions there for for, for some of these people. Like China, for example, right? And Laura Hussey was there for Channel 3 asking the question about, look, If there are organizations that have facilitated border crossings and help people to come here and they're getting funding from the United States government, doesn't that mean we're actually paying to bring illegal immigrants in? Based on what you've been told or exposed to, could American tax dollars fund some of these NGOs that are in turn setting up settlement camps for people? They are dead. No, your tax dollars, the federal government is funding that. A hundred percent they are, and it's wrong. They are intricately involved in orchestrating movements of people from foreign countries into this country illegally. So in the end, we're sending another shipment of law enforcement officers on a uh, caravan over to Texas to help out. 76 Florida Highway Patrol troopers and 50 National Guard members now heading to San Antonio. The governor says members of the Florida State Guard will be sent as well. There you go. Today we're looking at the port to sign the deal for American Magic that would sort of finalize the agreement that they would come and the conditions for them having events here. And then hopefully we keep crossing our fingers that they might do well at the uh, World Cup. And then, you know, we could actually maybe get a big race here in Pensacola. I mean, like. World Cup in Pensacola on this beautiful bay that is the uh, gem secret of the world that now all of these sailing organizations are starting to pay attention to because 
It's pretty sweet water for racing. 437-1620 Pensacom was a big success again. Uh, and they've already announced their dates for next year. And uh, just, you know, always fun to go downtown and hang out and watch people and talk. Oh, I got to meet uh, Garrett Dillahunt, who was the one main person that I mostly wanted to meet. And uh, one of my favorite actors. I mean, like genuinely, the guy can play any role from comedy to villain to, uh, you know, <laughs> just anything, anything. And every time I watch, I'm like, oh, man, he's so good. Uh, and just a super sweet guy, which is so often the case. You meet these folks and you never know what somebody who's a kind of a celebrity is going to be like. And, you know, if they're a good actor, you don't know who they are, right? I was thinking about that, how he's a person that, uh, you know, I really have no idea who he is because he's such a good actor and he plays such a wide variety of roles. Uh, but turns out he's just, you know, like anybody else, gets up in the morning, puts his pants on, brushes his teeth, and talks to people who like the work that he does. He just happens to do it in front of a TV camera instead of uh, at a machine shop or under the belly of a car. So, you know, just a really normal guy who was grateful that he's able to get work through the pandemic and, you know, with the strike, which was a theme. 519 on News Radio 92.3, informative, local, dependable. I'm Andrew McKay. Some days I cover up because of my moderate to severe plaque psoriasis. Now I'm hitting the road with clearer skin thanks to Sky Rizzy, Rizm Kism of Rizza, a prescription only 150 milligram injection for adults who are candidates for systemic or phototherapy. With Sky Rizzy, three out of four people achieved 90% clearer skin at four months. And Sky Rizzy is just four doses a year after two starter doses. Don't use if allergic to Skyrizzy. Serious allergic reactions and an increased risk of infections or a lower ability to fight them may occur. Before treatment, your doctor should check for infection and tuberculosis. Tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms, such as fever, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough, or if you plan to or recently received a vaccine. Thanks to Skyrizzy, there's nothing on my skin. And that means everything. your doctor today about Sky Rizzy, the number one dermatologist prescribed biologic in psoriasis. And visit SkyRizzy.com or call 1-866-SKY-RIZZY to learn more. Gulf Coast businesses are set to lose over $5 million this month. I'm Nathan with Data Revolution, and this is your cybersecurity tip of the month. It's the beginning of tax season, and scammers know the threat of an IRS audit gets people to pay. Know that the IRS will never initiate contact through email, and any email threatening an audit is just a scam. Businesses along the Gulf Coast trust Data Revolution for their cybersecurity and communications needs. Visit datarevs.com for more information. Naval Air Station Pensacola has a significant economic impact in our area. It employs more than 16,000 military and 7,400 civilian personnel and the headquarters for Naval Education Training Command, a command which combines direction and control of all Navy education and training. There's a lot more you can know by tuning in this morning at 9 and hear what's happening at NAS Pensacola on the Pensacola Expert Panel. The Pensacola Expert Panel, 9 to 11 weekdays on News Radio 923 AM 1620. News Radio Pensacola on 92.3, 95.3, and AM 1620. Informative, local, dependable. Wet or dry, you're the handsomest woman I ever did see. Spirit and a fine, sturdy body. It's a noble combination, Miss Prescott. Sometimes the sound clip gets used 
more as a funny thing rather than as like what they meant. That's from How the West Was Won, which is this great movie, this epic um, fictionalization of the expansion westward, and <laughs> it just made me laugh. You're the prettiest face I ever did see, and you got a fine, sturdy body for raising kids. Shoot, raising, having children for you would be like falling off a log. And her answer, I'd rather fall off a log. 522 on News Radio 92.3, informative. Local, dependable. I'm Andrew McKay, and David Wayne is in the newsroom this morning with our headlines. David? Well, good morning. Donald Trump, the winner of South Carolina's GOP presidential primary, defeating Nikki Haley in her home state. Haley, though, saying she is still in that race for now. The woman that was killed in the mass shooting after the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl uh, championship parade and rally has now been laid to rest. Funeral services took place over the weekend for 43-year-old radio DJ Lisa Lopez-Galvan on Saturday. And, of course, 22 other people were wounded in that shooting on February 14th as well. Uh, The spacecraft that touched down on the moon last week is alive and well after tipping over onto its side. Houston-based Intuitive Machines uh, guided the Odysseus lander onto the moon, the uh, first touchdown by a U.S.-built spacecraft since Apollo 17 in 1972. And apparently... Uh, it was good for the company as shares in the company nearly doubled after uh, word of the successful landing last week. Okay, so I thought I read a story that when it tipped over, their shares plummeted. Have, it was it maybe that they went way down and then they went up. Probably as, bounced as, back it, up when they said, "Hey, it's still all working, okay. still fine, it's all good. still good." Just a little drunk. Look no how rugged this thing is. <laughs> That's right. So, all right, David. Thanks so much for the update. Four three seven sixteen twenty. That's my phone number. Four three seven sixteen twenty. Um. Oh, this is you know we've been following this term limits bill working in Tallahassee. And, uh, you know, you got Michelle Salzman running it on the House side and you got uh, Blazing Olia running it on the uh, Senate side. And it's really been hung up over details and not the big philosophical arguments about whether people should have to vote, get to vote for term limits, whether it's better to do it through a referendum than it is to do it through a, you know, change of ordin or change of, you know, state code like they're doing this this time around. Um but really, the hang-up has been, do you get any grandfathering effect? And more the issue, because like writing it for that has been very confusing. Every time it hears in committee, they, they talk about this issue. The other issue has been, what about these charter counties and you know giving them, if they've got 12 years already, making them vote whether or not they want to reduce it to eight if they've got eight already, do they have to affirm that? Non-charter counties, that's us. Santa Rosa and Escambia County are uh, non, we're constitutional counties, what we're called. Charter counties, uh, are they make a special set of rules that create how they are structured and they just have different, and term limits is one of the things you can have as a charter county. And so it's really been hung up on this, and now it looks like it might finally, might finally this week get a chance to hear it in the Senate Rules Committee. But um, it's been fascinating because, you know, at the House, it, it moved with, pretty much lightning speed, but in the Senate, getting the details. And getting these details, of course, they have to match up between the House and the Senate, ultimately. So the way it reads right now, as they keep putting these strike-all, or called delete-all, strike-all amendments, that's where they basically amend the bill by changing the entire bill. It's just it's the way Tallahassee works, okay? Um, very common, by the way. And now it says that each non-charter county, that's us, each charter county whose charter does not impose term limits on uh, county commissioners, as of this summer, and each charter county whose charter imposes term limits of more than eight consecutive years. That'd be 12. Is the, I think that's the only one that's 12 that's out there. She'll hold a referendum election on November 5th, 
with language that says you're going to vote whether to prohibit commissioners from serving more than eight years. So it would start at that point. It wouldn't be, you know, you wouldn't, anything you've already served wouldn't matter. So theoretically, uh, Jeff Bergash, Lumen May, Stephen Barry, who are running for fourth terms now in Escambia County, though at least Jeff Bergash says he believes in term limits. Um, they're running for fourth terms. Well, I guess he's running for a third term. Sorry. Uh, they're running for fourth still, you know, running for a third term. And they could win. And then they would have another four years even after that. Because it would only apply to sort of moving forward. Um, the House version is on the second reading calendar, so that's going to sail through the floor. You would figure that's, again, Michelle Salzman's version of it. So we'll see. We'll see. I, I had been assuming this was going to go into place. I think it probably will. But frankly, um, I, I like the idea. I really, really like the idea. This is what I have said all along is make it like mandatory to have a county by county vote. That's what we should do. Because, see, the, the advocates for term limits all say the same thing. The massive majority of people support mandatory term limits. Okay, great. Well, then vote on it. Because if you believe that the massive majority support it, you've got nothing to fear in having a vote. Right? You put it to the vote. And then what you find out is that the people in Escambia do want it, or the people in Santa Rosa don't want it, or vice versa. But if you're so sure that 80% of the people in every county want it, let them have it. As in, let them choose. You got nothing to fear. So you know, again, we'll we'll see. We'll watch this one all along through session, um, and I still find myself very torn about this. It does, by the way, allow you to take a pause and then come back uh, if you're out for uh, two years. I think it is. Yeah, uh, if you're out if you're out for two years, I think the current reading is that you would then be able to come back. So you could you know basically sit out a term and see how you like it now. <laughs> so. No, um, but, you know, I, I think there are a lot of arguments on both sides for term limits. I told you before, I'm very, very close to being split on it. I tend to come down inside no, but if you ask me whether it's a good thing to have people in a, in a role for 30 years, it's obviously not. It, it's, it's obviously not a good thing to have them in that role for that long. 528 on News Radio 92.3, informative, local, dependable. Oh, this is, I thought, a very interesting article in Defense One, which is a a pretty good defense website. They cover a lot of various military issues for the United States defense sector. And um, somebody wrote an opinion piece, the headline of which was, Groupthink Gives the V-22 a Bad Rap. Now, for those of you who don't know the military stuff, uh, the V-22, or sometimes the CV-22, is the Osprey. That's the tilt rotor, vertical takeoff and landing, but also can fly through the air because those big rotors, they function as you would think of as a helicopter going from landing, but then when you get flying, they sort of rotate in air to move forward. It's a pretty amazing thing to watch. They're super loud, and the Marines use them heavily because they're, you know, obviously more conducive to the short decks of, like, an amphibious vehicle. Um, but, you know, we had... It, it serves the role of the uh, helicopter is kind of the idea to replace helicopters, generally speaking, with this much more functional, faster platform, basically. But it's had some wrecks. It's had some really bad mishaps, and, you know, some people have died in these wrecks. And we just had a really, really bad one late last year, and so they've all been grounded. The high, and the entire fleet's been grounded. His article says, look, the CV-20, or the V-22 doesn't have any worse of a track record in terms of groundings, especially once it actually got operational instead of just during testing. Than anything else, including the Blackhawk, including the Chinook, including the Sea Knight. In fact, many of those platforms are far worse 
in terms of their operational record. It's just that we're used to them, and there wasn't this kind of gang-up groupthink against them in the media. Interesting observation. Fox News. I'm Chris Foster. Former President Trump wants a new leader picked by him, and Republican National Committee Chair Ronna McDaniel says she agrees to step down March 8th. Trump's not the nominee yet, but Nikki Haley's losing some financial support after losing her home state primary in South Carolina. Americans for Prosperity Action, the network funded by the billionaire Koch brothers, is withdrawing support for Haley's presidential campaign. Fox News obtaining an email saying it did not believe that any outside group can make a material difference to widen Haley's path to victory. Fox's Sue Guzman. The Palestinian prime minister resigns. The United States wants the Palestinian Authority to reform so it could one day govern Gaza as well as the West Bank. Prime Minister Mohammed Shatea says his government is stepping down to usher in what he calls new political arrangements that take into account the new reality in Gaza. Fox's Jonathan Savage. America's listening to Fox News. Good morning. It is 531 at News Radio 92350. One degrees now. Partly cloudy skies in Pensacola today. Well, it was another fun Pensacon weekend wrapped up yesterday, but planning is already underway for next year's festivities. Dates were announced for the 2025 event, which will be held uh, on Valentine's Day weekend next year, February 14th, 15th, and 16th. And they've already announced the first 12 guests as well. They'll be the Space Marines from Aliens, Michael Bean, uh, Michael Bain, Mark Rolston, Cynthia Scott, Daniel Cash, William Hope, Jeanette Goldstein, and Rico Ross. Uh, two all-elite wrestling stars, Orange Cassidy and Donna Perrazzo. And uh, from Hasbin Hotel stars Blake Roman, Erica Hens- Henningsen, and Amir Tlaib. And uh, you can follow Pensacon on social media or check their website for all the latest guest announcements and uh, also to get tickets for next year's event. There are some new details about that great white shark that washed up on Navarre Beach last week. National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration uh, investigators conducted a necropsy on the animal, and they determined the shark was about 30 years old. It measured 15 feet long. It weighed 1,500 pounds. And Initially, there was some confusion about whether that shark may have been pregnant, but officials do now say the shark had not reached the sexual maturity age that would have been needed to be pregnant. Uh, As of yet, though, they have not released a cause of death. There is still some testing going on uh, in that regard. The 26-year-old Pensacola man, uh, a a 26-year-old Pensacola man has died after a motorcycle crash. This was on I-110 over the weekend around mile marker 2. It happened on Friday night. FHP says this rider was traveling at a high rate of speed and crashed into the back of a pickup truck. The motorcyclist was pronounced dead at the scene of that crash. The driver of the truck was not hurt. A man involved in an Amber Alert in custody in Palm Beach County. The alert was issued yesterday for Christian Simeus. The seven-year-old was allegedly taken by his father, uh, 44-year-old Gene Simeus, in Riviera Beach. Christian was found safe after a traffic stop on I-75. And looks like Florida's getting another high-profile resident. Actor Sylvester Stallone announced last week he and his wife are moving here to Florida. They haven't said where exactly in Florida, but they do have a daughter attending the University of Miami. 77-year-old Sylvester Stallone and his 55-year-old wife Jennifer made that announcement uh, on the Paramount Plus show 
the family Stallone. It's 534. Let's get a look at our Channel 3 weather forecast. This is meteorologist Brooke Richardson with your first morning weather update. We will have a beautiful day today with mostly sunny skies. Temperatures warming near 72 degrees for your high. Overnight tonight, temperatures dropping near 63 degrees. As you go into Tuesday, mostly sunny skies with high near 73. Tuesday night, temperatures dropping near 65. Beautiful weather continues for Wednesday with partly cloudy skies. High near 77, 20% chance of rain. Stay connected to Channel 3 News First Morning Weather Team. Download the WEAR-TV weather app. This is Brooke Richardson from the First Morning Weather Center. Thanks. Thank you, Brooke. 51 in Pensacola, 53 in Gulf Breeze, 54 in Milton. Your next news at 6. And breaking news anytime, I'm David Wayne, News Radio 92.3. Are you hungry for news that keeps you informed, is local and dependable? Look no further than News Radio Pensacola on 92.3, 95.3, and on AM 1620. We're your trusted source for all the latest happenings in the Emerald Coast. From breaking news to in-depth reports, we've got you covered. Our team of experienced journalists brings you the stories that matter most to our community. Stay connected with local events, weather updates, and traffic reports, ensuring you're always one step ahead. We're News Radio Pensacola. Informative, local, dependable. The City of Pensacola Parks and Recreation offers many ways to help you get out and play. Take a stroll in one of their 93 parks, rent a kayak or a paddle boat at the brand new Bayview Outdoor Pursuit Center, or participate in one of the many exciting programs happening at Play Pensacola's 11 resource centers. Tennis courts, pools, dance, camps, community events, and more. The only thing missing is you. For more, visit PlayPensacola.com or follow social media at PlayPCola Parks. It's time to get out and play. Advertising, marketing, digital marketing. These are all words you hear a lot about in today's world. But what do they mean? How do you get started? You can start by tuning into the Pensacola Expert Panel today at 1030 a.m. Join me, Lexi Mendoza, and I'll show you how to navigate the fast-growing landscape of digital advertising today at 1030 a.m. on the Pensacola Expert Panel. The Pensacola Expert Panel on News Radio 92.3 and AM 1620. Text or call with your questions. 850-437-1620. Pensacola right now with Joe and Austin. It's like headline news for radio every day, 4 to 7, on News Radio 92.3. Informative, local, dependable. I'm Andrew McKay. It's Pensacola Morning News. Good to have you with us on this Monday. Happy Monday! Sorry, that too loud. Happy Monday. (laughs) Is that more your speed? Uh, Maybe so. On Friday, we had a chance to talk to uh, State Representative Alex Andrade, who joins us every Friday to give us an update on what's going on in session and legislature in Tallahassee. Of course, he is a uh, representative in District 2, which is the southern, I mean, geographically, it's like the southern quarter, but of course, it's the southern, not quite half of the population of Escambia County, and then uh, the southern, uh, like the waterfront portions of Santa Rosa County as well. Alex, welcome back to the Pensacola Morning News, sir. Thank you, morning, Andrew. Thanks for having me. Good to have you. Let's. Can we start with something that has not been a lot in the news? But I got a, um, I got a question from somebody who I, th- I believe owns a vape shop. Actually, I could be mistaken about that, but I think that's true. Uh, and had texted me, "Hey, are you paying attention to this anti vaping bill?" And I was like, "No, I really hadn't been. I mean, as much as I watch, you can't watch everything." And uh, she says it's it's anti-capitalism. I don't know why the legislature in Tallahassee hates businesses. It's going to cost tens of thousands of jobs in the state. 
And so, uh, again, coming from a position of ignorance, which I am, uh, I wanted to ask you about it. Have you heard this bill in committee yourself? Yeah, it, it got heard in um, the, the big appropriations committee a, a week or two ago. Um, I, and honestly, I, I don't, I couldn't really dive into the, the specifics of what it does. I think, um, a lot of times there's some very large corporations that, you know, like Juul, you know, which is owned by a very large tobacco company. Um, and they want to, you know, tweak and nip and tuck our regulations to try and prevent, you know, competition in the market a sure. lot of times. And, and ultimately that's, you know, I, I didn't think we as a state, we're required by the federal government to raise our, you know, tobacco or nicotine purchasing age from 18 to 21. I have a personal issue with, you know, raising those types of um, age requirements up on everything unless we're going to do it universally a lot of times. But at this point, we're, you know, that's where we're at. And uh, I don't really feel like going farther. So, you know, I voted down and several other people voted down and um, I'm not sure it'll it'll pass the Florida House this year. Interesting. Okay. Does does the Senate have a companion yet that they're running? Yeah, the Senate has a companion, but uh, um, you know, while the Senate might pass it, I, I really don't think just because of the given the 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 people who voted down on it, I, I don't think it'll have a great shot at passing the house okay all right well i know that's going to be good news for her i haven't again been following it all that carefully so i can't comment too much but i wanted to ask since i knew you would know and i'm sure uh she and other you know vape shop owners and purveyors and users are going to find that to be good news uh the hb1 the social media bill passed the senate yesterday it passed the house it's going to the governor's desk as i understand and um my question is do you think he's going to sign it because he seems to be signaling that he won't sign it out of Either practicality concerns, you know, constitutionality concerns, enforceability issues. What's your read? Um, well, he's got seven days to sign it. I think that was uh, one key thing. So we'll know before the end of session whether or not he'll sign it. Okay. And, uh, I think that might that might reframe the 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 last week of session, um, depending on whether or not he signs that that one bill. Could could the House in that time, if he doesn't sign it, come back? with an alternative version is that even allowed or the i mean the house could conceivably um get a two-thirds veto override okay okay all right interesting all right um the primary runoff bill i know this is a bill about which you and i disagree uh, I love the idea of instant runoff voting or what's sometimes called ranked choice voting, and I view a second primary, which we used to have in Florida until 2002, uh, so that you have to win a majority of your <laughs> primary. I view that as a good thing. I'm tired of plurality candidates getting elected because they live in a heavy Republican districts or Democrat districts. Um, I think that's a silly way to run a, uh, run a democracy. Yeah. But, and, but I know you disagree with me about I this. I going to light myself on fire if this fast. Yeah, yeah, I hated that idea. Um, <laughs> no, it's... <laughs> it was so in, in 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 theory that's i agree with what you're saying your version your concept your like what like ring choice voting will make the maximum number of people who claim to share the same views happy right like that, and, that's and the, represented that, like right that, that's the metric the maximum number of people who share the same views your view would make them happy that's a great way reality, to say it there's normally one or two folks there's normally one or two folks in these primaries, maximum like like four or five, right? Um, why on earth would we want to incentivize infighting amongst uh, 
people of the same party. Why on earth do we like right now as Republicans, we're in the majority. I don't want to have more primaries. I want to, I want to have more, more generals. I want to spend more money in generals, not primaries. Um, you know, if there was a, a, like, if there was a significant amount of fracturing in the party, like a real type of fracturing within the party, I can see it, but, um, like it's not it's not our party that's fracturing, you know. So I, it it doesn't benefit people who believe like I do, um, you know. I think it would it might benefit people, uh, you know, might benefit Democrats because they have a a much broader, wider, more bizarre range of beliefs within their party. Um, but for Republicans, we're we're not a monolith, but we we tend to have our our heads on straight. So yeah, I just. In reality, I did not want that at all. I didn't think it would benefit us, and uh, but see, okay, I was ready so, to oppose it heavily. So <laughs> you, your answer troubles me, honestly, because you're assessing the bill from a what is beneficial to my party politically rather than a what's philosophically the best for the concept of representative democracy. And I know you believe in both, but um, I don't see it as a threat to Republicans because it would – it. It would generally just mean, like, for example, county commissioner races in Escambia and Santa Rosa County. It might mean a different Republican wins, but it wouldn't mean a Democrat is suddenly going to win. And I think that the problem you have is, you know, you have some county commissioners that get elected with, you know, 38 or 40 percent support in the primary, which is not a majority. And then you, they're in a weird position where 60 percent, let's say, voted for somebody else. That doesn't mean 60% would have voted against them in a one-to-one matchup, but we never know. And so their opponents say that, and then they say they want a plurality, and we never really know who represents a majority of the electorate. That's my concern. Oh, no, I, I get what you're saying, but at the same time, the people that have put me in office because of the system that we're in right now are the Republican primary voters that put me in office. Like, right. like I'm, I'm coming – I have a lot of bias. I've never gotten less than 60 percent of the vote in a primary. Yeah, so it would be irrelevant so like, to you other than the money spend, right, and the time di- distraction. Sure, I, I see that. And so I'm coming, at it from, I'm coming at it from the money spend and the maintaining the majority in the broader state. Okay. Well, I and I'm glad to hear you say that you support the concept of ranked choice or instant runoff voting. God, I would love to see the state take that up and allow it. I know it's actually illegal right now in the state of Florida, but, um, you know, a, a fight for another day, let's say. Uh, your defamation bill has the unique bragging point of being hated by liberals and conservatives alike. I've been kind of surprised to see all the headlines of the people who have come out against it because, I understand this bill, having talked with you many times and listened to the arguments and read the bill, that it's very narrowly tailored to prevent uh, or to deter, really not even to prevent, it's not prior restraint, but to discourage people from publishing defamatory news stories on the basis of single-source anonymous sourcing. Like, that's basically all the bill does, right? Yeah, and and ironically, uh, a bill about, you know, defamation – like I, I, let me just let me just come out and acknowledge it. I lost I lost the first opening salvo of the media fight on this one. I think that there there are a couple um, folks who really 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 hate this bill, who work in the media, who manage to get their media friends to all pile on at once. But what I can say is that piling on gave me the opportunity I think, because it went a little bit too far. I gave me the opportunity to meet folks like um, like Ty Rachick from Lives of TikTok this week, um, Buck Sexton, um, Chris Ruddy from Newsmax, and um, I think the tide is, is going to start kind of flipping. Um, just because it is a good bill, this is a bill that 
Um, I don't care if you're on the right or the left because I can't pass a, 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 con, a content biased or a content focused um, bill related to the First Amendment. My, any First Amendment bill has to be content neutral because I've always known that and I've never said the opposite. Um, I think you'll start seeing some some flips on the on that perspective, even if folks aren't you know championing it from the from the media, um, because the media all thinks that somehow this is a bill designed to attack some type of media or the other, which is it is not. Um, at least uh, I think that piling on will stop. Um, the folks the folks I talk to in depth about it all get it. Um, I mean, shoot, Stephen Miller. Like, I'm, I'm talking to Susie Wiles and the Republican um, campaign and the in the President Trump campaign just because Stephen Miller, you know, someone riled him up about this. Right. Um, Benny Johnson, someone riled him up about this. So it's given the opportunity all of a sudden to be talking to these people about it, and I think um, I think the tide's about to shift. Well, it's it, it's interesting to hear that because it's one of these things where. <laughs> I distrust a lot of reporting just kind of in general because I know that when I read reports of what happens in Florida or when I read reports of what happens even here locally, it's often wrong. (laughs) It's so often wrong that I feel like, oh, well, I should be careful what I trust about anything because I know when they report on things that I'm the most intimately aware of, they get it wrong. So I should kind of be cautious about all that stuff. And that's what I think you're saying happened here is, you know, people get a headline, they get a blurb, they get a misinterpretation, and then they freak out over that. Well, lo and behold, you know, the actual underlying substance is not what you think it is. But as you say, that opens them yeah, up to realizing every, it. Every, every dang article, the opening paragraph, says something about lowering the standard, make it easier to sue. And I'm, I'm scouring my own bill that I drafted. Like, where does it lower the standard? Where does it make it easier to sue? Um like the the bill ultimately, like I'm just somewhat passionate about conflict resolution. The bill ultimately will get help allow more of these defamation lawsuits to be resolved more efficiently. Um, it allows people to focus those those lawsuits on more on like clearing their name and the truth um, of the underlying statement rather than the the financial obligations of how much expensive a lawsuit is and. Lawsuits that generally would take three years in this type of space could potentially be resolved in six to eight months if this bill passes. Um, and it'll give people an opportunity to clear their names. Um, it can't create more lawsuits. It doesn't open or broaden the definition of defamation. It's just giving people who are stuck in these situations already the opportunity to clear their names or get out of a lawsuit if someone's brought a frivolous or abusive lawsuit against them. So. Um, no, I'm excited for it. Hopefully I can get it up and out of the floor next week. Um, I've gotten almost universal support from Republicans so far, um, when it comes down to casting a vote for it. And, uh, I'll be talking to every single person who's curious about it over the weekend, I'm sure. Very good. Alex Andrade is our state representative for a district two, the southern half of Scambia County and the southernest portions of Santa Rosa County after the, uh, you know, the redrawing of district lines because of population shifts. Uh, Alex, as always, thank you for the time. Thanks for being in Tallahassee, and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Andrew. Absolutely. 549, I knew <laughs> – by the way, I still have to laugh at myself. So um, if the governor vetoes it, would you try to rework the bill? Oh, well, you know, there's a thing in the Constitution where you can override the veto. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not laughing at him. I'm laughing at me because I just wasn't even thinking about it. It's so outside of the norm for the Republican legislature and the Republican governor. It, it didn't even occur to me that 
of course, the legislature can override the veto if that's what happens. Yeah, okay. Uh, every, every once in a while, a sort of obvious thing still sneaks up and catches you. So I appreciate the uh, Representative Andrade for mentioning that so kindly and, and not laughing at me. <laughs> I really, I bet inside he was like, well, you know, Andrew, you know, there's this interesting feature in constitutions these days. <laughs> Uh, no, 550 here on News Radio 92.3. If you're thinking about selling or buying a home, especially for the first time, you know, the first time that you do a big deal like that, it's it's scary. You don't know what you're doing. It's overwhelming. It can, you know, it can, you know, can make you feel uncertain about everything. You know, do I really want to do this? Is it worth it? All that kind of stuff. Okay, just call Christine Leavenworth. Sit down with her, meet her, have her talk you through it, and she'll set your reasonable expectations and tell you this is what's going to happen and hold your hand through the whole process. And then when you get done, you're going to be like, oh, it's not that big of a deal at all. And see, I've gone through this process, you know, without a great real estate agent. And, uh, you know, I wish we could go back in time and do our first house purchase and house sale with Christine Leavenworth because I know it would be such a blessing. And then you you learn how to do everything right, basically. So whether you're buying, whether you're selling, or whether you're really just thinking about it, and that's an okay time to call her as well. 723-9158 for Christina Leavenworth and her team at Levin Rinky Realty. I've been collecting watches since around 2018. Uh, made my first big purchase thinking that was going to be my only watch. When you're looking at watches and you're doing them online or if you're in the secondary market, it can be scary because there's a lot of fakes. And I really do focus in on coming in to uh, an authorized dealer like Berets for any of the Omega or Brightling purchases. They will let you try it on, take pictures, go home, think about it, and just really set your mind at ease. Come visit us at Beret Jewelers. The Port of Pensacola is more than just a name. It's a powerhouse of economic opportunities, a strategic location that sparks growth and prosperity, contributing significantly to the local and regional economy with 23 incredible businesses that call this port home. Big names like C-Max Materials, GE Wind Energy, and soon the prestigious American Magic Sailing Team. Since 1754, the Port of Pensacola has been the driving force behind Northwest Florida's economic success. Explore more at portofpensacola.com. The cooler weather in Pensacola is a great time of the year for gardening, whether it's planting roses, planting shrubs and trees and cool weather color, and of course, planning for spring. This is Mike Wiggins. If you've got gardening questions, we've got answers on the News Radio Garden Line every Tuesday morning at 9 on the Pensacola Expert Panel. And if you miss us on Tuesdays, then catch the Encore Edition every Saturday morning at 9. Sponsored by Pensacola Hardware, Blue Sky Landscaping, and Barnes Feed Store. Local experts share their expertise on the Pensacola Expert Panel. It's Pep Talk on News Radio 923. Informative, local, dependable. Humorous. Laugh and the world laughs with you. Sneeze and it's goodbye, Seattle. <laughs> So AT&T has very generously apologized for its screw-up last week that deprived people of uh, cellular service for, gosh, it was a while, right? Six, seven hours, something like that, maybe longer. And um, it has come forward with a uh, an apology gift, and it is now going to give you a credit on your next bill. Massive credit on your next bill against your loss of service, which was $5. $5. You get a $5 credit on your, we're sorry. 
Here's two thirds of a latte. <laughs> I, I'm not an AT&T customer uh, anymore. Well, actually, you know, we might have home fiber on AT&T. I, I take that back. Um, but, yeah, you know, I think we do, actually, now that I think about it. Uh, but I'm not an um, uh, AT&T wireless customer. So, um, and I know, and we weren't affected by the outage. Had, if I, I, don't, I didn't notice it anyway. So $5 to me is more insult <laughs> than anything else. Because it's kind of like, you know, hey, waiter, there's a fly in my pasta. Oh, okay. Well, we're going to go ahead and discount you for the five pieces of pasta that touched that fly. You know, <laughs> like not the whole meal. I mean, I would think, you know, a, a reasonable apology would be a month's worth of service fee. That starts, I mean, it's still not much money, really, but it's something. $5 hardly seems like that's really even worth the inconvenience and stress and irritation and loss of productivity that it caused people. I, you know, I, I don't know. Just it, it struck me as a little, little light, you know, Hey, here's a quarter for the effort. <laughs> okay. No five fifty five on news radio. 92.3. Uh, we've got David Wayne in the newsroom with our headlines, David. Oh, hold on. I'm trying to spend my $5 on Amazon. It's going to take me a minute here. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Be careful. Put four right. things in your basket. Don't, don't spend it all in one place. Former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley held a campaign rally in Michigan yesterday ahead of tomorrow's uh, primary there. She laid out what she's calling her track record of success as a governor. We announced jobs in every county in the state. We passed tort reform. We passed pension reform. We cut taxes. We built up our coffers. We paid down our debt. Uh, Haley, the last Republican opponent for former President Donald Trump. The Supreme Court will be hearing arguments today on whether states have the right to provide dictates to social media companies. Uh, lawmakers in Florida and Texas argue that companies like X and Facebook have been quick to censor conservative viewpoints. The companies say uh, that laws limiting how they operate violate their First Amendment rights. And at least two more Florida kids now have measles. The state surgeon general... Uh, uh, well, anyway, six children at uh, once. I, I had been there. <laughs> I had to cut a line out of the story. Have you ever you pulled a story from a wire yep, thing and then you, you shorten it? Yeah, and then you're well, then you're reading through it and you're like, oh, oh I shortened this poorly. Yeah, <laughs> it's well, it's you have two problems when you're editing and you don't you do it quick. One problem is when you take out essential words. The other problem is when you leave in duplicate words. Well, and the it, like both for me, can happen, right? For me, it's like I'll see something that was written with some type of a bias or something. I'm yeah, like, right. yeah, I'm not going to say that. Never right. mind. <laughs> Let so me just took, cut this line. I just you just deleted Adra, the Florida yeah. Surgeon General, so that's good. Joe Latipo forgives you. <laughs> Go ahead. So we got measles in Florida again. Right. So uh, Love two the kids, anti-vaxxers. two kids in uh, two kids in Florida uh, have been diagnosed with measles, and uh, so. Uh, Surgeon General Surgeon General Joseph Latipo says he's leaving it to parents to send their kids uh, back to school. The federal government does recommend staying at home to stop the spread of uh, of measles or anything else. I would imagine if you ever get them, which you shouldn't. Hopefully not. If we could have enough people vaccinate their kids against measles, we wouldn't have this problem. Okay, anyway, uh, David, thanks so much for the update. Oh, somebody texted in and says at four three seven sixteen twenty. Somebody says uh, I called AT and T the day after the system went down and got a forty dollar credit on my bill. The key was that AT&T admitted they screwed up uh, with their upgrade. And so here's you, you can call AT&T and say, hey, I heard it from Andrew McKay that uh, I can get $40. And you go ahead and quote me if you like. <laughs> See how far it gets. I mean, good luck. You know, you never know. Uh, somebody says at least they could have given us 10 bucks or even like a quarter of a month. Yeah, it's 
five dollars is insulting. I mean, it's a lot of money. Don't get me wrong. You know, when you aggregate it over the entire customer base, but that's just poor <laughs> and pathetic. Five fifty eight News Radio ninety two three. Oh, KFC in New York City is rolling out a special they've been trying elsewhere in the world and will eventually come to you on a limited basis later on this month. Um, Chitza. And no, it's not for those of you who want to, I don't know, break your diet or, you know, eat with some person you're not married to. It is um, a piece, two pieces of fried chicken served with pizza sauce, mozzarella cheese, and pepperoni on top. Like a pizza with fried chicken as the base. Or what I think of as a handheld chicken parmigiana plus pepperoni. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's what I think it is. Handheld parmigiana. Handheld parmigiana. Parmesan you can hold in your hand. Uh, how hot would it? No, I mean, yes. I mean, they're redoing their whole store, one of their stores in uh, in New York about this. And then, you know, we're going to all have it eventually on a limited basis. I'm telling you, this has opened up a whole new world for me of mixing and max- matching foods. Because if you can use a piece of fried chicken as your base... Uh, you know, what couldn't you put on the top of there? Right. You know, there's a lot. I mean, you, you typically think of fried chicken as the topping that would go on, say, a waffle, let's say, uh, with some honey, maybe, and, um, you know, bacon. But this is a whole new world. Dependable traffic on the fives, weekdays on News Radio 92.3, WNRP, Golf Breeze, Milton, Pensacola.